Previously on Camp Dino, Bo, Zeta, and Gavin took their dinos through the tournament's obstacle course. Together, they overcame crazy challenges like a spiderweb tunnel, Lovkin's traps, and rappelling down a cliff while their dinos held the rope. Even though they weren't in first place, they were in a groove and worked as a perfect team. But just as they crossed the finish line, they were captured by the Bakuza warriors along with the rest of Camp Dino. And now for episode 15, Camp Bakuza. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Camp Dino. nearly tripped over a bulging root as he was shoved through the jungle. His hands were tied behind his back, and the two Bakuza warriors escorting him barely looked at him through their tribal masks as they pushed him deeper and deeper into the trees. Bo glared up ahead at Buck, who was being carried by four warriors in a net. The T-Rex howled and struggled. Anytime he tried to bite at their hands or chew himself free, and threatened him with their blue-tipped spears. Bo grinded his teeth. He imagined Buck chomping their spears in half, chewing himself free and coming to their rescue. But it wasn't to be. The warriors were clearly experienced in avoiding harm from dinosaurs. They parried the attacks flawlessly. Bo glanced over at Zeta, who was yanking her arm free from the grip of her escort. Let go of me! She said, pulling her arm away. I can walk by myself. Her two escorts exchanged an irritated look before letting her walk unrestrained. Several feet ahead of them, the triplets moaned in their net, where they were clumped together and being carried by five warriors. <coughs> Bo saw that none of the warriors dared to carry the rope anywhere near Toot. Just behind them, Gavin walked silently with his escort. Staring straight ahead, he broke his gaze only to glance up for any sign of echo. The Pteranodon was one of the only ones not captured during the ambush. She managed to fly away before the Bakuza could throw a net over her. The Bakuza didn't seem too bothered. Their main focus was on Buck. As soon as he was captured, the Bakuza chief seemed satisfied and ordered his men to head into the jungle. Now he walked proudly behind the T-Rex, a smug look on his sharp, angular face. He was the only Bakuza not wearing a mask. Chest puffed out, he marched behind his trophy catch, holding his extra-long spear. Bo caught a glimpse of the counselors among the other student prisoners around him. Dr. Skye was calmly practicing one of her breathing techniques, and it seemed to be working. She looked calm and collected. 
Dr. Lufkin was grunt-yelling at the warriors next to him, who were carrying his precious cutie pie in a net. Don't ever step around, cutie pie! Go get it, you're slap it on the apple. The huge pig, along with many of the other dinosaurs, were unconscious after being pricked with a little blue-tipped needle. Kirby, like Zeta, refused to let his Bakuza escorts hold onto his arms. Helga and Boom had to be pricked with the blue to keep them from lashing out, and Boom's entire arsenal of weapons had been confiscated. Dr. Rex was watching Helga's limp body sick with worry. He shouted at the warriors any time they accidentally bumped her against a tree, which happened at least twice. Meanwhile, Dot was trying to nurse a gash on Sloppy Joe's arm as they walked. Sloppy Joe wailed like a hysterical opera singer. In front of them, Ma and Pa were calling out names and waiting for each kid to shout back so they knew who was with them. The shouts sounded tired and everyone looked exhausted. After completing the obstacle course, the hike through the jungle was almost unbearable. Bo's legs ached. His clothes were soaked in sweat. Mosquitoes buzzed by his ear and bit his neck. In the worst part of all, he didn't have a free hand to swat them away. Bo couldn't imagine a worse way to end his summer. To think, it wasn't that long ago he was sitting in the back of an air-conditioned car on the way to the airport, looking at a Camp Dino pamphlet full of photos of happy playing kids that were almost comical compared to their current predicament. He wondered what the Bakuza would do with them. He knew the warriors were after his dino, but he never thought they'd go as far as capturing the whole camp. His imagination ran wild with the possibilities. Would they put them to work? Force them onto boats and push them out to sea? Or worse? Bo stared at their sharp, blue-tipped spears and swallowed. This could be it, he thought. He wished he'd been able to find more books on the Bakuza and the Tree of Knowledge so he could have some idea of what was in store. The anticipation was killing him. A million terrifying scenarios ran through his mind until a large structure came into view through the trees up ahead. As the trees thinned, they approached a massive tribal mask jutting out of the ground, its gaping mouth serving as the entrance to the Bakuza camp. Bo's heart pounded as they passed through it. Vines and moss grew down over the mask's cheeks. Blue paint streaked across its forehead. They looked like the discarded mask of a giant. It was huge and intimidating, but it was what stood beyond that nearly made Bo's heart stop. A massive adult Spinosaurus lumbered by, carrying dozens of barrels of water at its sides. The size of at least two stacked buses, the fin-backed dinosaur barely acknowledged them as it passed. Bo's stunned gaze looked up at an old Brachiosaurus, stretching its neck high to the top of a tree. A wooden seat was attached near the head, where a Bakuza woman steered the enormous dinosaur with ropes, connected to a bridle around the creature's mouth. With a rumbling groan, the beast bit off several bundles of bananas and dropped them down into a huge basket. There were Bakuza women, dressed in dinosaur skin skirts, 
weaving beautiful blankets from colorful strings pulled down and around the back plates of a big slumbering stegosaurus, and a triceratops that looked as old as time itself shuffled along, carrying a carriage full of workers. A group of kids played a strange sport in the cavernous skeletal carcass of what looked like an Argentinosaurus. Its tall, curving ribcage served as an arena roof while the boys and girls ran around, tossing a ball from one turtle shell paddle to another. Most of the buildings around camp were made of dinosaur bones. Giant bone yurts, some multiple stories tall, dotted the camp. Bo couldn't help but notice the similarities between these structures and Dr. Rex's bone yurt classroom. There were Bakuzas standing in line, waiting for pterodactyls to carry them up to the highest floors of the buildings. A few adult raptors and pachycephalosauruses were being prodded roughly as they carried loads of dinosaur bones to the workers, assembling a half-completed bone yurt. One of the raptors lagged behind, and a whip was brought down on its back. Bo and the other kids winced. Antaka! The Bakuza chief shouted as they entered camp. He helped the other men lift Buck high in the air. As they did, the whole camp broke into cheers. Antaka! Antaka! The people chanted. Bo and Zeta exchanged a nervous look. Zeta nodded to a big statue of a red T-Rex near the front of camp. It rose high above a stone altar that was surrounded by tropical flowers and burning torches. Great, Bo said under his breath. What are they going to do with him? Zeta whispered. What are they going to do with us? Gavin interjected. If it was good, we wouldn't be tied up, Bo said, being shoved forward again by his escort. Still lifting Buck high, the Bakuza chief paraded them through camp and savored the praise. He led them past a huge fort-like enclosure made from giant jungle tree logs decorated with yellow paint handprints and another fence marked with blue handprints. Beyond them, the Bakuza warriors stopped the caravan in front of two dinosaur bone teepees. Half of the Bakuza warriors started pushing the counselors and students into the teepees while the other half carried the dinosaurs off to an enclosure further down the path. Bo noticed that some of the adult dinosaurs were roaring and whining at the sight of the little dinos. But every time they tried to approach them, they were either pulled away or whipped. Amidst the chaotic scene, Bo saw a small Bakuza girl with beads in her hair approach a young Parasaurolophus being taken down to the enclosure. Bo watched with curiosity as the little girl left a painted handprint on the dinosaur's belly, and with a smile lay a crown of flowers over its curved head crest. The Parasaurolophus grunted affectionately, and the girl giggled, swaying her dinosaur skin skirt. Bo and the girl briefly made eye contact before he, Zeta, and Gavin were separated from their dinos and pushed into one of the bone teepees. The inside, while large, was still smaller than the galley, and cramming half of the students and counselors into the one open room felt cramped. The floor was soft dirt, and the slanted bone walls led up to a small hole at the top, where a beam of sunlight pierced down into the shaded room. Once the last kid was shoved inside, the Bakuza guards slammed the door shut, 
and the sounds of the groaning dinosaurs faded. No one said a word. Everyone was too shocked to speak. Their silence amplified the muffled cheers outside. Finally, Pa spoke up. Is anyone hurt? he asked. I think I sprained my ankle, said Kiara, limping over to him. Pa squatted down and looked at it. Dot, do you still have your kid on you? She's in the other teepee, Ash said sharply. Pa stood up and sighed. Go ahead and sit over there, Kiara. Try to rest it and we'll get you taken care of. He looked around the room. Let's start by finding out what counselors we have in here. Counselors, raise your hand. A handful of hands raised above the group. Pa looked them over. Kirby, Dr. Rex, and Joe. Are you okay, Joe? Dr. Rex had torn off a piece of his shirt to stop the bleeding on her gash. The poor woman whimpered in pain. She'll be all right, Dr. Rex said. But the sooner we can get her to dot, the better. Boom's here, too, Kirby said, pointing to the big lump curled up against the wall. He's breathing, but still unconscious. All right, Pa said. Keep an eye on him. He'll have a splitting headache when he wakes up. So Helga, Lovekin, Sky, Dot, and Ma are in the other teepee. Pa almost choked up at the mention of his wife. This was the first time anyone had seen him without Ma by his side. Gathering himself, he looked around at all of the kids. A few of them were crying. I know the Bakuza can be overly aggressive, but I have reason to believe they will ultimately do us no harm. A few more from the group quietly sniffled and whimpered. Why should we believe you? Everyone turned and looked at Bo. The counselors glanced at each other. I beg your pardon, Pa said. Bo didn't like the feeling of all the eyes on him, but he was too angry to think about how anxious he was. Why should we believe someone who's been lying to us this whole time? Pa's eyebrows shot up. Now, son, just because I didn't tell you, you built a camp in the jungle right next to an indigenous tribe with full-grown dinosaurs. Bo slowly walked towards Pa. And then you stole eggs from them, didn't you? Those are the dinosaur parents out there, aren't they? The kids turned to look at Pa, whose bottom lip quivered. He raised his finger and pointed at Bo. You've seen how they're treating those dinosaurs? You see what they're doing to them? They're slaves! It ain't right! Separating babies from their mothers isn't right, Zeta said. Slaves, Ash scoffed. How are we any better than them? We made them work by our side? We pushed them, trained them? How's that different? It's very different. Pa shook his head and looked at them, eyes wide in disbelief. We care for our dinosaurs. We love our dinosaurs. We study our dinosaurs. Which is something that wouldn't otherwise be done if these magnificent creatures were left in the volatile care of these uncivilized people. Pa held out his hands. Have you any idea the wealth of knowledge we've acquired since opening Camp Dino, hmm? 
Have you any idea how much of our understanding has expanded since we took them into our care? Am I wrong, Dr. Rex? Am I wrong? Dr. Rex slowly shook his head and then looked down at the ground shamefully. It is our responsibility to take care of these dinosaurs. They don't treat them as equals. Bo stared at him, stunned. What were you going to do once our dinosaurs grew up? Once they became too big to walk around on a leash? Or, or, or squeeze into a tube and float down the chute? We set them free in the jungle and tracked them to make sure they don't get too close to any villages. Or Camp Bakuza, Bo added. Or Camp Bakuza. How did you get us into this mess in the first place? Zeta asked, arms folded. Pa looked over the group. His eyes stopped on Kirby, who nodded to him. Pa nodded back. Several years ago, Ma and I were out here on an excavating trip. We were hoping to learn more about the ancient people who had lived here. Our digs took us deeper and deeper into the jungle, until we found ourselves in uncharted territory. Our discoveries grew by the day, as did our excitement. But imagine our faces when we stumbled upon an actual surviving tribe of the very people we were studying, a people thought to be extinct. When they weren't alone, they walked among giants, dinosaurs in the flesh, and had been doing so for millions of years. I about had a heart attack when I first laid eyes on them. But after we made contact, we quickly discovered the mistreatment of the dinos among the people, the harsh conditions they were forced to endure. Despite having coexisted for so long, the Bakus treated them more like slaves. They were nothing but tools to be used. It wasn't right. Again, I say it wasn't right. His voice echoed in the treepee. So I recruited some of the best experts I could find and trust, pieced together a camp around a small deserted Bakuza settlement we discovered, and set out collecting live dinosaur eggs. You mean stealing, Bo corrected. Saving, Pa said sternly. I brought the precious creatures into our camp and decided... We would have youth visit us to help care for them. Why, Bo said, because we're easier to manipulate and no one would believe us when we got home? No, as I told you all before, kids are more trustworthy than adults. Most adults will let our secrets slip. The temptation to make money off of the dinosaurs would be too much for them. So it's been several years since you started your egg raid, Seda said. Why are the Bakuza just now retaliating? Why have they taken us prisoner? Bo and Pa's eyes met. Buck, Bo said slowly. Pa nodded. During this year's egg collection, we managed to pull a very special egg from the nest. A very rare egg. One that hailed a creature with spiritual significance to the Bakuza. A red Tyrannosaurus Rex. From what we can gather, the Red T-Rex is a powerful spiritual symbol to the Bakuza. Taking it from them was the last straw. Why didn't you just give it back? said one of the kids in the group. Yeah, said several others. 
I refuse to willingly bring any dinosaur back to the Bakusa, Pa argued, wagging his finger. They are not treated with the respect and dignity they deserve. But you've seen the dino parents out there, Bo said. They've missed their babies. They belong together. With a whip on their backs? Pa's voice was growing frantic. He kept glancing at his counselors who were avoiding his gaze. I'm going to say this one more time. These dinosaurs do not belong here. Why not let them decide? Came a voice in the crowd. Everyone turned to look at Gavin, who'd been leaning casually against the back wall. Pa chuckled. Let the dinosaurs decide what is best for them. Gavin shrugged. You're the ones telling us how wise they are, that they're equals. Why not? The kids all turned back at Pa, who paused and then stammered. I, I, I think that is a ridiculous notion, especially given our current predicament. Once we get out, we let the dinos choose, Gavin said calmly. Bo scanned the group. All in favor, say aye. There was a resounding aye that included a few counselors. This is not how decisions are made around here, Pa snapped. I run Camp Dino. This isn't Camp Dino, Zeta said. We're in Camp Bakuza. The rest of the kids agreed. Fine, 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 Pa shouted over them. We will let the dinosaurs decide where they want to be. But first, we have to get out of here. Dr. Rex, Kirby, Joe, any ideas? Kirby tossed his long hair and thought. We could make weapons from the bones and then charge out the second they open the door. Pa stared at him blankly. Anyone else? Sloppy Joe shook her head. Dr. Rex started to say something a few times, but kept stopping himself and saying, No, that wouldn't work. Gavin glanced up at the shadow that kept passing by the hole in the top of the teepee and smiled. I have an idea. Minutes later, everyone was huddled around Gavin as he showed them the survival tools in his pack and explained how they were going to escape. He spoke quietly just in case one of the Bakuza guards outside understood English. Bo popped up from the huddle, amazed. It's genius. Are you sure you weren't homeschooled? Gavin yanked him back down into the huddle. You still have the map? Oh, yeah. Bo pulled the Camp Bakuza map out of his pack and unrolled it on the ground. Gavin started pointing to the drawings. We're here, other teepees there, and the dinos are... They're in here, Bo said, pointing to the drawing of an enclosure further down the map. You sure? Zeta asked. Bo nodded. I don't know if all of them are in there, but before we were shoved in here, I caught a glimpse of them taking the first few dinos into it. Good, Gavin said. For this to work, both teepees have to do it at the same time. We'll need to pass a note and coordinate. Zeta snorted. <laughs> How? Anyone got a piece of paper? Bo was the only one to raise his hand. <laughs> Duh! <laughs> he pulled a small notepad and pen from his bag. Doesn't everybody carry around a notepad? I mean, come on, this guy. Wait, doesn't everybody carry around a notepad? Several kids around him shook their heads. Oh, whatever, just take it. 
Bo handed it to Gavin, who immediately started scribbling something on it. Zeta leaned over him. Gavin, what are you going to do? Turn it into a paper airplane and fly it out of that hole into the other teepee? Kind of, Gavin said, scribbling some more. Zeta and Bo raised an eyebrow at each other. The rest of the group looked on with intense interest. A few seconds later, Gavin finished his note, tore it out, folded it, and handed it to Zeta. And what am I supposed to do with it? She asked. Climb. Gavin pointed up at the small hole at the top of the teepee. And hold your hand out. And what? Wave it as a sign of surrender? Just trust me. Zeta rolled her eyes. Okay. She walked over to the slanted bone wall, held the note between her lips, and started to climb. Everyone watched in awe as Zeta made her way up, grabbing onto sharp bones and wedging her feet into the gaps for grip. Bo guessed the teepee had to be at least 20 feet tall, tall enough to do some serious damage if she fell. He could barely watch. Near the top, Zeta lost her footing and everyone gasped as she dangled for a moment. Keeping her cool, Zeta swung her legs back to the wall, found her footing, and finished climbing the rest of the way to the top. Once she was there, she held on with one hand and both feet, and taking the note from her mouth, she raised it out of the hole. She looked down at Gavin. Now what? Wave it, Gavin told her. Zeta waved the note out of the top of the teepee. I don't see the point of... Gavin let out two sharp whistles, and before anyone could ask why, a shadow covered the hole as Echo flew down over it. Zeta felt the pteranodon's beak snatch the note out of her hand. Whoa! Take it to the other teepee, Gavin said. Flapping her wings, Echo lifted off the teepee and flew away with the note. The light once again poured through the hole and seemed to shine around Gavin like a spotlight. Bo looked at him in all his glory. Even if this doesn't work, he said in a daze, you are the coolest person I've ever known. I know, Gavin said. Kirby scoffed and looked around mildly offended. The coolest person you've ever known? Let's not get carried away. It's not like he rides through camp on a motorcycle or anything. He folded his arms and flexed. Zeta climbed back down, and Gavin immediately got to work on his plan. He dug into his survival pack. He asked Dr. Rex to break off a few sharp bones from the wall. He had the kids surround him while he worked silently. Gavin worked until the sunlight beaming through the hole faded into an orangish-pink sunset. Soon darkness with only a silver beam of moonlight descended down into the teepee. Gavin started a small fire with his tools, and everyone huddled around it, careful not to block its light from Gavin's workplace. At one point, a few guards opened the door to check on them, and were met by dozens of kids standing by the door blocking their view. The kids told them they had started a fire to keep warm, which was partly true. Satisfied with seeing them all contained and quiet, the guards shut the door and let them be. Back by the fire, Zeta took a seat next to Bo, who was studying the Bakuza map intensely, pulling his gaze away only to jot down some notes. That took a lot of guts standing up to Pa, Zeta said with a nudge. Somebody had to say it, Bo mumbled. Bo clenched his teeth every time he thought about how dishonest Pa and the other counselors had been. 
I kind of see where he's coming from, though, Zeta said. Not that he's handled it right. I just, I don't know, kind of get why he feels so protective of the dinosaurs. Don't you? No, not really. You're telling me you haven't felt protective of them? Bo stared at the map and let out a long breath. <sighs> I guess. It's weird not having the triplets running around me, nipping at my ankles. It's weird not smelling toot stink in here. Just walking over to the fire without tripping over a horn felt weird. I can't even imagine how you're feeling right now not having Buck by your side. You two have gotten really close. Bo finally looked up from the map, tears shining in his eyes. I miss him a lot, which is why this has to work. Our dinos are counting on us. But we're going to have to give them the choice to stay with the adult dinos. Aren't you worried Buck won't choose to come with you? Bo thought for a moment. He hadn't even considered the possibility. He'll come, he finally said, turning back to his map. Zeda didn't look so sure. Around them, the kids and counselors listened to the distant sounds of their moaning dinosaurs. Bo thought he could hear Buck over the rest of the cries, and the sound made him restless. He wanted to run and comfort him. While most of the other kids drifted off to sleep, Bo stayed up listening to Buck's cries and wishing he was back in his treepee with Buck slumbering close by. Nearby, Gavin continued his work late into the night, eventually asking for help from Boom, who was now awake and extra grouchy. The giant man worked alongside Gavin and even took orders from him, albeit reluctantly. A blue stain on his pants marked the spot where the Bakuza dart had gotten him. Every once in a while, he'd frown down at it and growl. <sighs> Bo was grateful he had ended up in the same teepee as Boom, Weapons or not, just having the guy around made him feel a whole lot safer. Pa and Kirby eventually joined the ranks as well, working together while listening to Gavin's very specific instructions. Drifting off to the sounds of them working, Bo felt his eyelids droop and his head get heavier and heavier. What felt like seconds later, Bo's eyes shot open and he looked around. He'd fallen asleep, and now daylight shone through the hole in the roof. Most of the kids and counselors were already moving around. Gavin and his crew of counselors were finished with their work. It took a few seconds for Bo to notice the pain in his foot. When he saw Zeta standing by his feet, he realized she had kicked his foot to wake him. You ready? she asked. Bo scrambled to his feet and grabbed his bag. Yeah. Bo joined everyone as they gathered towards the back of the teepee just behind the clean circle of sand. Gavin stood at the front of the group. Count of three, make as much noise as possible, and pretend to fight each other. We need the other teepee to hear us too. They're waiting for our cue. Ready? The kids and counselors nodded. One, two, three. Bo and Zeta and the rest of the group erupted into shouts and yells. They grabbed onto each other's shoulders and shook each other. They threw fake punches and kicks. Ash had a kid in a headlock and really got into it. Sloppy Joe took it to the next level and pretended to bite Pa's arm. Within seconds, the door flew open and two guards looked at them, stunned and confused. Nakburiya! One of them shouted. Bo could hear chaos coming from the other teepee too. 
Several Bakusa guards poured into the teepee and ran for the group with their blue-tipped spears. Just as they stepped over the sandy circle, shfoom, it gave way under their feet and they dropped into Gavin's sand trap. The fake fighting died down as the kids and counselors leaned over the edge to see the guards sprawled out in the bottom of the pit, nursing their injured legs and shouting up at them. Mouth agape, Bo looked up at the wide open door and then met eyes with Zeta. They both smiled. It worked! Rocketeers, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Camp Dino. We've got a couple more episodes left in this season. It's kind of like a two-part climax over the next couple of episodes, so stay tuned. I'm really excited to close this one out for the time being. Camp Dino has been a total blast. I love this place. Let's take a second to give some shout-outs to our patrons. Scout and his dad, Steve, from Newcastle, Australia. Thank you so much for your support. I hear you're loving Camp Dino and that your favorite characters are Buck and Bo. I know Scout really liked the part when uh, the kids went out looking for Gavin. I really liked that too. I thought that was really cool. Thank you so much, Scout and Steve, for your support. I also want to thank patrons Edward and Locke from Leyland, North Carolina. Thank you so much for listening. Cool names, by the way. Man, so many of these Rocketeers have awesome names. I need to step up my naming game. Awesome. Thank you so much, Edward and Locke and Laura from Singapore. Laura, thank you so much for listening. And you have to probably be among the few listeners from Singapore that is so cool representing the Rocketeers on that part of the world. I love it. Patrons, thank you so much. Anybody out there looking for a way to support the show, go to patreon.com slash purplerocketpodcast. Uh, You could also get there from the website at purplerocketpodcast.com. Become a patron. Get ad-free episodes. You can get some extra stories. Check it out. You also get a discount on merchandise, by the way. So patreon.com, Purple Rocket Podcast. I also want to read a few Apple reviews. This one is from Alanwa. And it says, I'm 10 and my little sister was born just five hours ago. I was stressed because the baby was born four months early. So I listened to your podcast and it helped. Thanks. Wow. That is incredible. Alanwa, that means so much to me. I'm so glad that the podcast was able to help calm you down. I really, really hope that your sister's doing okay. I hope that... 
the family's enjoying the baby, that she's healthy, and that you're loving being a big sister. I can tell just by how you're worried about your little sister. You're going to be an amazing big sister, Alanwa. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, by the way. That is incredible. Congratulations. I really hope the family's doing well. And thank you so much for the feedback. I love it. So cool. I can relate to that. We just had our fourth baby, our daughter Eloise. I think I posted on Facebook. That was just a couple months ago. So really recent. And I was really stressed to Alanwa when my wife was going to labor. It's It can be really intense. It can be kind of scary. And I know your situation's different uh, with your sister coming a bit early, but it's kind of an intense time. It's really exciting when the baby's coming and the baby's here. When the baby gets here, it's just, it's incredible. It's such a gift. And I really, I know we are so excited to have Eloise here. She is so precious, so sweet, and already has been just like the ultimate bundle of joy and this little adorable flesh ball. You got like those thighs, those jelly roll thighs, all those rolls, you just squish them, little Michelin man thighs. You just, it's like, it's like a little stress ball. So cute. And I can't wait for you to get to enjoy that too, Alanwa. So cool. Thank you so much for sharing. This next one is from Dead Money. Dead Money? I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. It says, I like it. The podcast is really good, but sometimes you mix up words and names. And why can't I find the China episode on Grandpa's Globe? So I knew somebody was going to point this out. I did temporarily take down the China episode of Grandpa's Globe. A couple of you have come forward and said that I had kind of done a bad job with the accents and it seemed culturally insensitive and that was not my intention at all to be offensive. So I wanted to take it down. I'm going to make some tweaks to that episode eventually and re-narrate it to try to make sure my accents are... Uh, I'm trying to be as respectful as possible. Frankly, what I do is I'll, I'll pull up a YouTube video of some of these people from these different countries, listen to them speak. I'll press pause and record my lines to try to kind of imitate the accent. And guess what, Rocketeers? I butcher it a lot of times. I'm not trying to butcher it. I'm really trying to do these cool accents justice, and I want to do the culture justice. Obviously, in a short 20 to 30-minute episode, I'm not going to encapsulate all the incredible details of one's country and culture. It's not going to happen. And so if somebody feels like I'm doing a stereotype or something, that's not my intention. I may be taking some highlights, some things that are known from that country, some foods, some cool places, some interesting things, and I'm trying to cram it into a very short episode to give you a, a brief snapshot uh, to inspire you to maybe even learn more about the country and culture. My whole philosophy going into Grandpa's Globe was that these would be little miniature country reports. When I was in sixth grade, we did country reports where we got to dress up in like attire from a certain country set up a table with food and some cool facts about that country. I did mine on Germany because my dad had lived in Germany for a while. So he had some cool stuff from there. And parents got to walk into this room and go around by all the desks and all the kids were dressed up from these different countries all over the world, had different foods. And it was just a cool, quick sampling snapshot of how diverse and amazing our world is. So my intention with Grandpa's Globe, and I hope there are some parents out there listening so they can understand where I'm coming from here um, was to just try to capture that magic of just like a quick country report. If a sixth grader were going to do a quick country report um, and give you that kind of exciting glimpse into a different culture. So that's my intention. And I hope to get it back up with some tweaks. But yeah, so that's what's going on. 
This next review is from BV Teacher. It says, excellent. I really love this podcast because there are a lot of adventures and you learn a lot about new cultures. Signed, an eight-year-old boy. I love it. See, this is cool. I like that you guys are enjoying learning a little bit about a new culture. And this last review is from Akon10 or Akani10. It says, it counts as summer reading. We've loved the Purple Rocket podcast for over a year now. Our family is at a point where we are going back and re-listening to stories again because we've heard them all at least one time through and we can't bear the wait for new episodes of Camp Dino. We joined a summer reading program. That's amazing, by the way. Rocketeers, are you hearing this? Join a summer reading program. We joined a summer reading program through our local library to log all of the books each kid reads over the break. Yesterday in the car, my son Oliver, who was so excited when he realized he could log Space Train, Winglings, Grandpa's Globe, and Camp Dino in his reading app because Greg Webb read them to him. So now the PRP and Greg Webb are officially logged for everyone in our reading program to see. Officially, we've helped a few new families down here in Georgia find this awesome treasure trove of epic adventures. Awesome. Thank you so much for leaving that review. And that is exciting. That's amazing. I had no idea that uh, listening to these stories would count for some of the summer reading. Pretty amazing. I really, I've said it a million times, but listening to audio stories, Rocketeers, really helps your literacy. It helps you improve your ability to read and understand stories. And it's just so good for your imagination to get a break from the screen and to just dive into an audio story. So thank you so much for that feedback. I love it. Rocketeers, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or leave a review wherever your podcast. Send me some feedback through the website or a Purple Rocket Podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear your experiences. I really, truly appreciate it. I want to thank my mom, Roxanne Webb, for editing the story. And a big thank you to Jeremy Bishop from HarmoniousIdeas.com for editing the audio. Rocketeers, don't forget to check back next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.